I remember not too long ago when Judy and I were eating over at Cracker Barrel. We sat right by a wall and there was a, a fishing pole on the wall. And I said, well, look at that. That's a fishing pole, just like the one I had when I was a young teenager. And they got it on the wall as an antique. Judy said, well. <laughs> and that didn't offend me not one little bit. We had a lady in our church in Rescue, California, who was quite a bit older than us back then, and that was probably 30, 35 years ago, maybe. And... Uh, she was out working in her yard, even at an old age. And someone, some lady came driving in, got out of the car and walked up to her. And she said, I'm looking for some antiques. And she said, you're looking at one. <laughs> well, you know, I say that to say this. Life is like a vapor. We read that in the Holy Scriptures. And I can really identify with that now. I'm not going to tell you how old Judy is, but I'm 81, and she's just as old as I am. <laughs> so, you know, time just flies by. Just flies by. We got married right, up, right after she graduated from high school. I was a grade ahead of her. And we were both 18. That was 63 years ago last June. And it just seems like the other day. Boy, I tell you, we better count the days because it won't be long till our appointed time of departure comes upon us. And we have no guarantee, even at a young age, that we'll live to see tomorrow. So I have a message that I want to bring before you this morning. I consider it a great honor that our pastor would ask me to fill in for him when he's gone. But I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. The true gospel of Jesus Christ is a simple message. And it can be summed up in one word. Substitution. God's children are a particular people. God shows us in Christ before the foundation of the world. And we read that in the Holy Scriptures. God's people are a purchased people. Matter of fact, the Bible uses the term a purchased possession. Jesus Christ purchased us with His own precious blood. God's people are a people enlightened by God's power. To know Christ and His gospel comes by divine revelation right from our Father which is in heaven. Even our Lord Jesus, when He walked on this earth, He asked His disciples, whom do, who, whom do men say that I am? And Peter is, always seemed to be the spokesman. He said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And our Lord said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, Simon, son of John, Flesh and blood hath not revealed that unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. He always drew attention to his Father and his Father's will. But when he preached, 
beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So we're a purchased people and an enlightened people by God's power and a people who give Jesus Christ all the glory. Now, I'm not denying the Father and I'm not denying the Holy Spirit. We believe in a great three in one. But all the fullness of the Godhead is found in Jesus Christ our Lord. If we see Him, we see the Father. And the Holy Spirit is God's servant that brings the gospel to our understanding. When Christ is preached, the Holy Spirit, who dwells in the heart of everyone who believes the gospel, He reveals these things to us. And we're a people who will never perish. And I bring those things out just to point to the fact that there's another Jesus being preached, another spirit being received, and another gospel being preached. And we find that right here in verse 4 of 2 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians verse 4 says, chapter 11 verse 4, For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit whom you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might well bear with him. So these false preachers that bring in another Jesus, another spirit, and another gospel were way back during the days of the apostles. Actually, those ungodly men who denied the truth and preached lies go all the way back to the fall of of, uh, Adam. So we have them with us and we're to expose these false preachers because we're supposed to come out from amongst them. How are we going to do that if, if they're not exposed? And that's what I want to do this morning. I want to compare the Christ of Holy Scripture with this phony Jesus, the Spirit of God that's declared on the pages of Holy Scripture with the false spirit that dominates ungodly, self-righteous religionists and another gospel, which is not another, but another being preached that people just grab a hold of. And full of hatred for Christ, they deny the truths of the Scripture. So first, the Jesus of Holy Scripture and all who imitate Him. So let me ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1, if you will, please. Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, I want to share with you a, a true event that took place in my life as a preacher in the early ministry. I was invited to preach a small congregation that met in the San Francisco Bay Area, one of the small towns. And uh, the preacher that went before me, there was another preacher invited, and he went before me, and he actually made these statements. God needs us. Jesus is not here now. And we're to take 
that which he's entrusted us with and we're to take it out to the people and invite them to come to church and and uh, this is the way God adds to his church is through us that is not true none of that's true and I didn't even have to change my notes when I stood up to preach they never invited me back strange Brethren, our Lord Jesus declared this truth and it's as true today as it was when He declared it. He said, without me, you can do nothing. Without Christ, we are nothing. We have nothing. We can do nothing. And He said, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So this Jesus that's being preached today is not the Christ of Holy Scripture. Let me, let me take you over to John chapter 6. If you'll turn over there, please. All self-righteous religionists have received the spirit of Antichrist. So, God the Holy Spirit reveals gospel truths, as I've already mentioned. And universal, the universal love of God is a big fat lie. That's a wrong spirit. Universal redemption is a big fat lie. That's a wrong spirit. Man's so-called free will is a big fat lie. It's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. So that's a wrong spirit. Some for whom Christ died will perish, is what they're talking about and saying. That's another big fat lie. Our Lord Jesus tells us in His Word that all that the Father gave him shall come to him, and we will never perish. The love of God is in Christ Jesus, and only in Christ Jesus. And if we're in Christ Jesus, we'll never perish. And God's life-giving power, they claim, can be resisted. And that's not true. That's another big fat lie. And so here in John chapter 6, and I just want to say this before I read this text, this, this scripture. The Holy Spirit is God Almighty. And we're comparing the spirit that's found on the pages of Holy Scripture with this false spirit that's being preached today. The Holy Spirit is God Almighty. No one can hinder His work. He tells us that. He tells us in Daniel 4.35, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he, that is God, doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand. None can stop him from doing what he has purposed. Or say unto him, what doest thou? We can't even question what God is doing. Why is this happening to me, we might say? Well, why not? This is God working in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And right here in John chapter 6 of verse 63, we read this. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. And that word means gives life. It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Brother, we need a new heart. 
We come into this world with that old natural heart. We all fell in Adam. We, we don't become sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. And that old heart is enmity against God. We hate Him. People say, well, if I'd have been back there in the days when Christ was crucified, I'd have tried to stop them. No, you would not have. None of us would. We hate, we hated Jesus Christ in our unregenerated state as much as those unbelieving Jews and those unbelieving Gentiles that cried out, crucify Him, crucify Him. And they did. They did. Pilate told our Lord, don't you know I have the power to either crucify you or set you free? And he said, you wouldn't have any power over me at all if it hadn't been given to you from above. And that's where we are today. That hasn't changed. The natural heart is just as guilty as the old heart that we see in all of those people all the way through the Old Testament and during the days of the Apostle and all the way up to now. Hatred. Hatred. We're doing our loved ones a grave injustice if we don't tell them that they need Christ. And if they're meeting in a goat barn, is what I heard one preacher identify, those places where they meet, if our children are meeting in those places, and some people say, well, we just want to worship with our children, they're not worshiping. They don't worship God. They're blaspheming God. God's people must, and I stress that word must, because that's the word the Bible uses. We must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Our sovereign Lord moves nations, millions of men and women with less effort than it takes for us to get an empty glass and move it from a table to the sink. That's His power. Jesus Christ is the power of God. All power in heaven and earth has been given to Him. And none can stop Him from doing what He has purposed. So there's another Jesus being preached, another spirit being preached or received or grabbed and hold. I don't know the term to use. It's another spirit that dominates false religions. I know that. It's a wrong spirit. Now, go over to Acts chapter 2, if you will, please. The Lord adds to the church daily such as should be saved. We read that in the Holy Scriptures. And so let me ask you this question. Who needs to be saved? Everybody. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All need to be saved. But that's not what we read in the Scriptures, in Acts chapter 2, 47, the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. So let me ask this question. Who should be saved? Who should be saved? Believers. Yes. 
those who believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, those who embrace Him as the one who by Himself purged our sins, those who believe that Jesus Christ is God Almighty, our Creator, those who embrace the truths concerning Him being on His sovereign throne of power, like they say in the Deep South, right now, right, right now, right now, He, Jesus Christ, is on His throne in glory, ruling over this whole universe and everything in it. Not one thing happens apart from His permissive will. And if we believe these truths as found in the Holy Scriptures, and brethren, we're His chosen people who are enlightened by God the Holy Spirit. And we need to believe these truths or we'll perish. Now I asked you to go to Acts 2. I'm sorry, I should have said Galatians 1. That's where I want to take you now. Galatians chapter 1. And uh, I have a closing point concerning the gospel. There's another gospel being preached. And unregenerate, hell-deserving sinners have embraced a gospel of man's imagination. And here in Galatians chapter 1, we read about this false gospel. Chapter 1, verse 3. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is our peace. There's no peace apart from Him. None. I was talking with Shelby Fortner the other day and her and her daughter were visiting Madisonville. Uh, her daughter had a meeting here and they just couldn't get over to worship with us Wednesday night, but I was talking with them and we were talking about those people who are meeting in false churches. And uh, Shelby's daughter, no, it was Shelby. Shelby asked me this. How do people cope with the loss of a loved one without Christ. I said, they don't. They don't. They have a false hope. A hope built upon something that the person that died may have believed. Or if they don't even have any religious background at all, they'll turn to the bottle, drinking liquor or dope, or commit suicide. They have no hope. And actually I can understand that. If, if I didn't have Christ. And I saw that I was going to die. And, and stand before my maker. I probably would do the same thing. I probably would turn to something. Something evil. But we have Christ. 
We have Christ who is our true, sincere hope. We have fled to Him for hope. And that hope is like an anchor of the soul, both steadfast and sure. And we fled to Him for refuge, and He promises us that we will never die. That's good news for a hell-deserving sinner. So this gospel is the true gospel. And we read in verse 4 that Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Then Paul says this, writing on a divine inspiration, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. And that's what all of these self-righteous religions are doing. They're perverting the true gospel of Christ with their lies. And they're calling our Savior a liar. They're calling Him a liar. Free will is a lie. Man's decision for Jesus To earn salvation is a lie. To believe that some for whom Christ died will perish, that's a bald-faced lie. And we're to come away from them. Come out from amongst them and be separate, our Lord said. Now, let me take you over to Hebrews chapter 10. Let me ask you this question while you're turning there. What then is the gospel? If there's another gospel being preached, what then is the gospel? We need to know what the gospel is. And the gospel is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the gospel. He's on every page. The gospel is on every page. A young preacher, and I think I shared this with you before, but it bears repeating A young preacher was preaching in a congregation whose pastor was a very seasoned pastor, preaching the truth. And as he came away from the pulpit, he went and sat down by the seasoned pastor and said, well, what did you think of my message? And the seasoned pastor said, I didn't think very much of it at all. He he said, what? Wasn't the scripture that I chose good scripture? He said, oh yeah, they were good. He said, well, was my illustrations good? Yes, your illustrations were very good. Well then, why wasn't it a good message? He said, you didn't preach Christ. He said, but Christ wasn't in a text. He said, young man, Every verse of Scripture points to Christ and it's the preacher's responsibility to get our hearers on that path that leads to Him as soon as we can. And that's true. I have never heard a true gospel preacher preach anything but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The Apostle Paul said, I determined not to know anything amongst you except Jesus, or saved Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 
And if he wrote those words under divine inspiration, then that's exactly what we're to preach. Jesus Christ. People are trying, false religion, false preachers are trying to make disciples of Christ by preaching practical godliness. Now, there's room for that, to bring it into our messages, but not apart from preaching Christ. Practical godliness is in the heart of every enlightened child of God. We want to walk pleasing in the sight of our God. But we still have that old nature. And the old nature and the new nature war against one another. So that we can't do the things that we should. And we do the things that we shouldn't. That's why Paul said, O wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord. And so, we're right there, all of us. We want to please our Lord. We know we didn't, not in the flesh, we know we had no desire to please Him. Now the desire is here, but how to perform that which we know we should do, we don't know how. We have Sin that dominates everything that we do. We're still sinners, saved by the grace of God. But we have Christ, our hope, promising us that when this is all over, we'll be with Him in glory. What wonderful good news to a hell-deserving sinner enlightened by God the Holy Spirit. Now here in Hebrews chapter 10... Starting at verse 9, we read, Then said he, speaking of Christ, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. So this is referring to our Lord Jesus when he came to this earth. God the Father sent him to this earth to do his will. Did he? You bet he did. He was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So that God has highly exalted Christ Jesus and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord for the glory of God our Father. So He came to do His Father's will. Now let me ask you something. Did he do his father's will? I asked that once. I want to ask it again. You bet he did. You bet he did. He is the only man. Jesus Christ is the only man that walked on this earth without sin. Now it is true he was made sin for us. And when he went to the cross, our iniquities were laid on him by God the Father. He bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That's substitution. And he took those sins and purged them away from God's sight forever. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he removed our sins from God's sight. And I've said this before, but it bears repeating. You start going east and you'll never go west. There's no east pole, there's no west pole. You'll just keep going east. And so our sins are not only removed from God's sight as far as the east is from the west. God remembers them against us no more. 
no more. And that's what we're reading here in Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse 10. Speaking of God's will, the Lord Jesus came to do. By the which will, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Sanctified is a big word that means made holy. It also means to set apart. And Jesus Christ, when He offered Himself as the supreme sacrifice for the sins of His people, He sanctified us, made us holy. There's not one thing that can be laid to the charge of God's elect. Does that bless you? Not one thing. God our Father justified us. Not just as if we had never sinned. We never sinned. In God's sight, we never sinned. Those sins are gone, gone, gone forever. Now we remember them, but God remembers them against us no more. So, if He remembers them against us no more, then nothing nothing can be laid to our charge. We're innocent before God. Washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. Look down at verse 14. For by one offering, He, Jesus Christ, hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. By one offering, He not only sanctified us, He perfected us forever. Can you imagine in your mind being faultless? Being perfect. That's the way we're going to be presented before Christ on Judgment Day. Faultless. Our Lord said, will say, I should say, our Lord will say to those on His right hand, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. When were we ever a good and faithful servant? In Christ. In Christ. Everything He said was perfect. Every thought that went through His mind was perfect. Every step He took was perfect. And His motive for doing what He did is perfect. And that's ours. When we come to the Christ of Holy Scripture, the Jesus that we believe in, when we are led by the Spirit of God into all truths and have this wonderful hope set before us by the faith of God's elect, which is Christ's faith, when we embrace the true gospel of His sovereign grace and His sovereign mercy, We are as pure as Christ Himself in God's sight. I'm not making that up. I'm preaching the truth. There's a song that we sing. One of the verses goes like this. When by faith I saw the flowing stream, when I saw the flowing stream, thy holy wounds provide Redeeming love has been my theme. 
and shall be till I die. Redeeming love. I'm, I didn't quote that just exactly right, but that's almost right. Redeeming love is the theme for every message God's preachers have the honor to preach. Every message. Not one message that comes from the lips of God's preachers will point us to anything we have done. Our pastor, David Edmondson, brings us before us every time he preaches. Brother Tom mentioned last Sunday, that was another good one. And I told David what you said, Tom. I said to David, every time you preach Christ is a good message. Can't go wrong there. Christ is the message that we receive by the power of God, the Holy Spirit. And that's why we come to the church where he is preached. We want to hear that over and over and over again. I love the gospel of Jesus Christ because I love the Christ of the gospel. God help us to keep looking unto him, the author and the finisher of our faith.